You're listening to Panels of Blood, part of SplatterPictures.net. Hello and welcome to Panels of Blood, the podcast where I read you horror comic books from all years. I'm your host, Wes Deadair Nipe. Some people are suggesting that perhaps I keep my nickname from other podcasts to have a sense of synergy, so I'll stick with that because I value people's opinions when they make sense. So as you guys may or may not know, we did a Twitter poll last week, and that was to determine what the next long-form story we were going to do. First we did Vampirella, and then we took a little break and did some Tales from the Crypt. But now, thanks to your guys' vote, I gave you guys options like Purgatory and Hackslash and Revival. But the one that you guys seemed to want is... Mars Attacks. And it's funny because I put the Mars Attacks option in there as kind of an afterthought. I thought to myself, oh, well, it lets you do four options. Hmm, I don't know. What about Mars Attacks? A nice combination of science fiction and horror. Yeah, I like Mars Attacks. Sure, why not? And I had the book. So it seemed to make sense just to toss it in there. And I was really surprised that that seemed to be the one that everyone wanted. And one person even said they just wanted to see what that would be even about because they didn't know what Mars Attacks was. So they just decided, yeah, Mars Attacks, great. So yeah, we're going to do some Mars Attacks. Like many of you, the first time I ever encountered Mars Attacks was the 1996 Tim Burton movie. And I remember seeing the trailer. So No, I remember first seeing the poster for it. And the poster was really eye-catching to a horror-loving kid like me. You basically just saw this big movie poster with a bunch of weird alien brain heads on it. It was all green. And I think the tagline said something like, Nice planet. I think we'll take it. Mars attacks. And doing a little bit of research at the time, seeing shit on, like, Entertainment Tonight, I would learn a lot about what Mars Attacks was, Tim Burton's homage to science fiction of the 1950s. No one really talked about the fact that Mars Attacks was a Topps trading card series that debuted in 1962 and eventually got edited down because it was so shocking to people at the time. It was very graphic, violent stuff. I didn't know anything about that because I don't really recall people saying it, but I was obsessed with this movie coming out. Every time I saw a trailer... It looked fucking serious to me, and I didn't care about the massive cast that Tim Burton managed to pull together or anything like that. All I cared about was the fact that these aliens looked fucking amazing to me, and I loved the way that the ships looked because even by then, you know, 1996, I was 11 or 12 years old, I don't know, but I was already really heavily into science fiction of the 1950s, so... I was watching Invasion of the Saucermen and Earth versus the Flying Saucers and It Came From Outer Space and War of the Worlds. So this old school science fiction look with violence on top of that, fuck yeah. And granted, the CGI even then didn't really look to be exactly what I would have wanted. I would have wanted to see far more practical effects. I'm pretty sure there had to have been a few practical Martians at the time. But, man, I was obsessed with this fucking movie coming out. And I remember seeing it, and I remember loving it. 
I really, really liked it. I thought it was fucking funny. I liked all the cameos. I liked the aliens immensely. The giant robots, it was great. And so I was satisfied with that. Mars Attacks the film, yeah, that's awesome. But then a little bit later, I remember reading what I thought was a comic book, but now I'm not so sure. It was not the comic per se. It was in the back of a comic book or a magazine. I was obsessed with the idea that it was a comic book for the last little bit, and I've been doing a lot of research. You see, the first Mars Attacks comic book I ever read, I didn't even realize it was a Mars Attacks comic book. It was at the back of something, and I was reading it, and it was all from the perspective of a dog. And I thought that was really weird. A dog was just kind of going around being a dog. Everything was hunky-dory, but then all of a sudden, he would go to a car where teenagers were making out with, and it would get blown up by some mysterious force, and you know, a house would get burned down or whatever. And at the end of the day, this dog dies trying to protect its master. And you see coming over the horizon, it is the aliens from Mars Attacks. It's a very sad, quiet story about a dog getting killed by these aliens amidst a massive scale invasion. That really impressed me. And I used to read that little comic over and over again. Going back into my old books, now, I did have a big flood when I was about in college, and so a lot of my old books, I'd say 90% of them, were destroyed. But I did manage to keep some, even though they were water damaged, and I looked through those, and I couldn't find the book. Now, it wouldn't be really hard to find it because, I mean, I was trying to think who owned, who had the comic book release rights for Mars Attacks? Was it IDW or, or, or Dynamite or whomever? But I checked the backs of the books and nothing. And so now I'm thinking that it was a little while ago, a little while ago, many years ago, Wizard had a branch off science fiction book periodical and it covered Star Wars and Star Trek and all that kind of shit, Babylon 5, whatever was the hotness for the 90s. And I think at the end of that magazine, they had this comic book that I'm talking about. Now, that magazine is definitely long gone. It was at my parents' house after I moved, and I'm pretty sure they tossed everything. So it's gone. And doing a Google search, the only thing that I could find was Destroying a Dog, the very famous card from the original run where an alien is destroying a dog while a farm boy is screaming out in horror and 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 trying to stop the whole thing so i always thought that maybe that was what the inspiration for the comic was but googling dog dies at the end of a mars attacks comic or destroying dog dog gets killed mars attacks it all just basically comes up with that and i so i'm this has been driving me crazy all fucking week i don't know who drew it i don't know who wrote it i don't know what really I saw it in for the first time. It's just a lot of mysteries. And I would have loved to have read that to you. But instead, we're going to read something a little chunkier. So right now, what we're going to do is John Lehman came out a little while ago, a a, a couple years ago at this point, with Mars Attacks Attack from Space. Now, this story is praised by a lot of Mars Attacks fans because it goes back to collectively understood as the roots of the series, where it, it really came out. Because the cards were not just trading cards by tops. They were, it was a story. It was also a story. And while this isn't exactly a proper sequel, this is sort of a more of an homage to what those cards were trying to say, but a little bit more sympathy for our alien friends. I, I feel as though what this book does is actually quite clever, and we'll definitely get into it as we start reading. But for now, without further ado. 
we are going to be reading Mars Attacks, Attack from Space. And there's a bunch of little, there's a bunch of prologue here that we're going to be getting to, and then we'll do all the credits, because there's a prologue and then there's credits, and I just like the way that it's laid out. It's actually quite cool. It's cinematic, you know? All right, first up, we have an image of the Martians in battle. There's a Martian in lead. He is brandishing a sword. The sword is very futuristic looking. It has energy or electricity crackling from the blade. This Martian himself is pointing, giving orders. He is shouting in alien language. He's got a long scar down his face to differentiate him from the other Martians because if you aren't familiar, the, the uh, Martians basically wear green spacesuits with a glass helmet bowl over top of their head with a red breathing pack on the back. They have, usually speaking, a rifle that just disintegrates human flesh down to the bone, and their faces are skull-like. They have no nose to speak of, no lips, just skull-like teeth and jaw with large, oversized, exposed brains, and their eyes are big, wide saucers. Speaking of saucers, there's classic-looking flying saucers in the background of this image. And the caption reads, It would take him half a century, but General Czar would finally have his revenge. We see two Martians back-to-back, -back, humans running in terror. Two have been ignited by the laser blasts, reduced to skeletons, while a woman in tears tries to run away from the horror. The caption reads, He'd seen humans suffer. Another panel, flying saucers overhead of a city, completely devastated. Firing in all directions, buildings crumble. The skies are orange with fire. The caption reads, Their civilization crumble. The entire planet in ruin. And sure enough, we pan out to see the scope of the devastation. Thousands of flying saucers in the sky. Buildings crumbling. People tiny like ants in this panel, running in absolute terror. A giant Martian bipedal robot wandering through the downtown core, firing lasers. Another panel and a new caption reads, but not today. We see Zar collapsed on the ground, his breathing apparatus destroyed, his helmet smashed. We see human feet standing around him, and someone says, What you reckon it is, Rowley? Caption, Summer. 1962. And here we have some two hillbilly-looking farmers. One guy looking at the alien cockeyed, another guy looking down at him, kind of confused. He's got a confederation cap on, Raleigh says. Dang if I know, Bert, but I bet I know where Zach can get hundred bucks for him. Looky there, looks like he's coming around. Sure enough, Zara is coming too, confused. Raleigh cracks him with the butt of his shotgun. Black hick. And Zar is unconscious once more. Raleigh is carrying the unconscious Martian to the back of an old, red, rusted-out Ford pickup truck. It's the kind of Ford pickup truck that I always imagine everyone saying when they say they're from the country and that they had a truck. It's basically this. <laughs> Raleigh says, Come on, buddy. Let's get a move on. What about the rest of this? Forget it. As we see the two men drive away in the pickup truck, we see a vast field of what looks like animal legs, perhaps a cow herd or perhaps a herd of horses completely demolished. 
vaporized, reduced to ash and bone. Raleigh says, Hundred bucks buy plenty of hamburger. We see the close-up of the two men. In the foreground, the unconscious alien lying in the back seat. Think maybe you were right when you saw a fallen star, Bert. Think tonight just might be our lucky night. And we see the two men driving towards a fair. And the sign sees Carson County Fair just ahead. And another caption reads, End prologue. We now open to credits, which it looks so cinematic. They're, they've uh, really done a nice job here. And uh, we see Mars alone in space. Stars twinkling all around. And says, Tops and IDW. Joint collaboration. A close-up of Mars. Now we see a lone alien flying saucer with four aliens inside driving towards Earth. Credits read, Words and letters, John Lehman. Pencils and inks, John McRae. Colors, Andrew Elder. Edits, Denton J. Tipton. And here we see a close-up further of the aliens as they fly towards Earth. And then the final title treatment, which looks like right out of the 1960s, Topps card presents Mars Attacks, Attack from Space. And this is a really nice setup. You have the chapters introduced as cards, like they originally would have been. And this card is number one, Incident in Orbit. And it has an astronaut looking out the window and seeing aliens. The caption reads, Six hours earlier, the Mercury Black Rock Orbiter. And we see, uh, sure enough, Orbiter, United States, looks like a megaphone in space. We now have an establishing shot of the interiors, the astronaut floating in space, seemingly minding his own business. The caption reads, U.S. astronaut Charles Buck Spencer, decorated veteran, astronaut, future U.S. senator. Decades from now, he'll experience the full wrath of the Martians. All the savagery and destruction they would bring to their invasion of planet Earth, but not today. Something has struck Spencer's orbiter, and he is sent to the back of the pod, crashing into the wall. We now see an establishing shot of the Houston control room. Houston, I just hit something. Did you get that? We're reading something, Buck. Question is, what in the world is it? We now see, we now see Buck Spencer looking out the window as an alien vessel is smoking in space. Don't question it and teetering towards Earth. An asteroid? Some sort of space debris? Can you get a visual? We see the perspective of one of the aliens looking back at the orbiter. Another shot of the orbiter in space as the alien vessel continues to smoke and heads down towards Earth. The control room asks, Buck? I, I think I'm seeing things. We're now back to Raleigh and Bert, just sitting, minding their own business. The alien vessel has not yet crashed, but Bert looks up to the sky and sees a bright light tumbling down towards the planet. Hey, Raleigh, look, a fallen star. That's supposed to be good luck, right? Another card presented to the page. This one says number two, a saucer in flames. And it has a picture of the Earth and the alien saucer with green flames surrounding it. As the saucer enters Earth's atmosphere, it ignites. The caption in reference to Zar reads, he wasn't General Czar back then, just Czar. A lowly grunt in the Martian space fleet on an exploratory reconnaissance mission 
that just went horribly wrong. Desperate measures to keep the damaged saucer airborne ultimately proved futile. They press a button, and it seems like a large burst of energy blows out the back of the saucer. And this is what covered these cows in this raw green energy that actually ended up destroying them all. The saucer was doomed. But perhaps its crew might survive the landing. Looks like that fallen star of yours just went down over to Garrity Ranch. Let's check it out. What you reckon it is, Raleigh? Dang if I know, Bert. We see a wide shot. The cows still burning in green energy in the background. The saucer completely destroyed. We can clearly see at least three of the four aliens getting their bearings. One of them is checking the ship. The other is stumbling around. One is sitting down, holding its head. Another card with the number three. A cruel-looking ringmaster about to snap his whip at an alien bound in a chair. In the background, there seems to be a lot of mysterious occult items. Now we see we're back where we first entered our story. An establishing shot of the two men, Raleigh and Bert, counting the money that they had just sold to some sort of unknown proprietor within the fair. Here you go, birdie boy. Sixty for me, forty for you. What was my idea? I don't know, Raleigh. The carny we sold that critter to, he didn't seem so nice. You know what was nice? That money of his. Come on, Bert. Forget it. We now see only 50 cents. Freak show. See the two-headed snake. What's in the mystery jar? Behold the jackalope. Prepare to be amazed. Freaks of nature. Not for the squeamish. And a voice that we don't know the owner to speaks. God dang it, but you're an ugly so-and-so. We now see the ringmaster hunched over, pointing an accusatory finger at this Martian that is now bound to the chair. The glass bowl and the breathing apparatus on his back is gone. I don't know, I've always understood that they can't breathe our atmosphere, but maybe it's just that our air is thinner or too thick or something, so maybe it can breathe, but not very well. I mean, Mars does have an atmosphere of sorts, so I'm not exactly sure. But at any rate, the alien doesn't seem too concerned that it can't breathe, but it definitely doesn't really seem too thrilled that it's tied to a chair either. I mean, this was just a reconnaissance mission. The alien says, <laughs> We can't tell what they say at all, but that that's pretty much established how they sound, at least from Tim Burton's movie. What kind of talk is that anyway? Chinese? Russian? Don't matter. The ringmaster gets really up into the alien's face and shouting spittle going all over. Listen, gruesome, you and me gonna get along just fine. Long as you remember one thing. The ringmaster punches Zar square in the mouth, then cracks him across the jaw with his other hand. I'm the boss. We see in a floating panel of the ringmaster simply walking away from Zar. Zar seems generally unhurt, but seething with rage. His eyes that are normally depicted as white saucers with red dots are now black saucers with red dots. Really makes him look a lot more sinister. Zar sitting there, his chin tilted down, blood dripping down his suit. He just stares and stares and stares. Hatred brewing in his heart. But as we close in on his face, 
we see a little red flashing dot on his collar. Beep, beep. Beep, beep, beep. Beep, beep, beep. We now cut to outside the fairgrounds in the night sky lit up by only the moon. Another Martian holding a tracking device that has located their fallen comrade. The aliens are armed and heading towards the fair. We now cut back to Raleigh and Bert. Raleigh enjoying a corn dog, or as we call them in Canada, pogos. Bert says, Hey, Raleigh, uh, I'll catch you in a bit. I gotta use the facilities. Mm-hmm. We see the alien still tied up in the ringmaster's tent. In the background, a shadow of Bert creeps in. Bert, now leaning down to the alien, says, Listen, critter, I'm real sorry about how my buddy treated you, about hitting you, selling you to that carny. Torn right, and I'm gonna make it right. Bert pulls out a long knife. I'm gonna let you go. Over my dead body, boy. The alien and Bert turn around, shocked. We see a panel of the ringmaster coming through the tent. Or maybe yours. A panel of Bert clumsily waving the knife, trying to keep the ringmaster back. The alien czar looks on helpless. Hold on. I don't want no trouble, mister. I'll give you your money back. I don't want your darn money. He grabs Bert by the throat. I want that creature. Bert's face, sweaty, a look of pain. The ringmaster's face, sneering, clenching his teeth. We now see what's happened. Bert, lying on the floor, dead. In the struggle, the knife he was holding plunged into his own chest. The ringmaster says, Oh, dang it. Dang it all to heck. He pulls the knife out of Bert's chest. This is your fault, monster. And now I'm gonna have to let you go. The alien closes his eyes as the ringmaster cruelly slices the knife down his eye, giving him that scar that we saw earlier. And then, and then, the ringmaster cuts the ropes that were holding the alien. Czar holding his face, confused, unsure, leaning away from the ringmaster, the ringmaster says, Well, go on, stupid. Get out of here. He points to the door. Get out. The Martian, holding his face dripping with alien blood, stumbles out into the populated fairgrounds. We have an establishing shot of a carnival barker with a mother and her young son looking on. See, Sydney Rose's amazing, astounding, confounding, astonishing, simply spectacular. Spectacular world-class flea circus. <laughs> the little kid just says, It looks fake. Satisfaction guaranteed, or you're... He's interrupted. Help! Murderer! Escape freak on the loose! Hide your children! Get your guns! Murderer! Freak on the loose! He is, of course, the, 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 the carnival ringmaster or leader or whomever, however you want to call him. <laughs> it's pretty funny. The, the alien is stopped and dented in his tracks, kind of like, uh, well, everyone in the fairground just kind of suddenly notices that this hideous Martian is standing amongst them, and then the very next panel is him standing in the same position, and everyone just screaming out in absolute terror, and they just run away. It's pretty great. We now see an establishing shot of a posse forming. We got police, we got woodsmen, farmers, whichever. They got revolvers, they got shotguns, and everything. The captions read, 
Of course, with a crazed murder on the loose, it was probably a good thing some of the local constabulary was on hand, that a few servicemen on leave chose that night to take their favorite gals to the fair, and that pretty much everybody else carried hunting rifles in the back of their pickup trucks. We now see Tsar's friends marching through the fairgrounds, unafraid, determined, bearing their rifles but it was undoubtedly a very bad thing. The other surviving Martians showed up when they did. Yeah, I absolutely love this shot. It's, the, the aliens just look so fucking movie badass. That's when the real trouble started. We see a long, narrow panel of a bunch of humans in shadow charging manically towards three of the Martians standing strong. One of the farmers says, There's the freak, and he brought friends. He fires his shotgun and hits one of the Martians square in the abdomen, its guts blowing out the back. The Martians have just about had it. They unload their laser guns towards these farmers and completely fucking vaporize them right down to the bone. It's fucking awesome. We now see the fairgrounds are on fire as the two Martians are just blasting the entire place wildly. Zar sees his friends surprised and runs towards them, but before he can... Someone shouts from behind his shoulder, Another one! It seems the circus strongman snuck up on Tsar and cracked him over the head with a large piece of wood. The strongman and a couple of carnies are now stomping on Tsar's unconscious body. Someone shouts from off panel, Hey, hold on a second there, dang it! We see the ringmaster wielding a giant bloodied axe. He's hunched over, looking mean and sweaty, ready to kill. I got dibs on this one. He's the one that started this whole mess. He raises his axe to deliver the final blow, but all four of these people attacking Tsar are completely vaporized down to the skeleton. We can see one of the skeletons is indeed holding that big axe. A shot of the two other surviving Martians looking around the fairgrounds that is totally on fire. The one alien looking off into the direction that the men were destroyed in, his laser rifle billowing smoke. But then, suddenly, from behind those two Martians, Raleigh shows up, aiming his double-barreled shotgun at the backs of both of their heads. Conch darn it, you greenies! You killed my best buddy, Bert! He fires both shells of the shotgun, blam blam, and reduces the aliens' heads to fucking cottage cheese. Eyes, jaws, brains, glass going in all directions. We see Raleigh standing amongst the flames, one arm bent with a shotgun slung over his shoulder, his other hand holding a rifle pointed toward the ground. We have here a long, skinny panel, the fairgrounds completely engulfed in flames, assumedly everyone dead. Crawling on his stomach is Zar, bloodied, beaten, but alive. He manages to make his way to the crash site, the caption reads. Afterwards, in confusion, Tsar was able to escape, to make his way back to the saucer and activate its emergency beacon. Then, wait. We see Tsar sitting underneath a broken dead tree, presumably destroyed in the crash. He waits. It was then that Tsar vowed he would have revenge upon the humans. He would see the humans suffer, their civilization crumble, and their entire planet in ruin. We see a panel of Tsar staring towards the night sky. Maybe not today, but someday. 
We have an establishing shot. Some time later. Authorities are now crawling all over the burning fairground. A helicopter is just about to land. And the caption reads, Back at the county fair, the government moved in to contain the mess. Someone says, Eh, what agency did you say you were with? A cold voice says, I didn't. We see a bunch of G-men. One in sunglasses, the other two with long, narrow features, and one, an older fellow, with a widow's peak hairline, graying, thick neck. He says, Get these people debriefed. Talk to the press. Escape loonies from the local nuthouse. Steal Halloween costumes. Go on a rampage. And make sure these locals are well compensated for their silence. One of the Martians, the one that was shot in the stomach, is being carried away on a gurney. The G-Man with the sunglasses says, This one's still alive, boss. The head agent says, Make sure he stays that way. We've got a lot to learn from that freaky son of a gun. Of course, I think we showed these creepy green creature features a thing or two. They think they can come on American soil and mess with us? That's just not gonna happen. And we're gonna make sure of it. A close-up of this man clenching his fist in determination. Embers from the flames floating in the air. He says, Not here. Not today. And the last page on this story, the caption reads, Today, the beginning. We see the earth is perfectly framed with thousands and thousands of Martian ships on their way to begin the invasion. And that's the end. And that's the end of book one. Next week, we will be taking on Mars Attacks. Book two, 21st Century Slaughter. Oh, yeah. So that's it. I want to thank you guys for sticking with me, listening to this. If the audio just sounded a little different towards the end, it's because it's hot in here today, and my computer overheated while we were recording, and it shut down. So had to kind of restart it quite the day. At any rate, uh, we're not always going to do Twitter polls, but if you guys have any suggestions for Panels of Blood, if you guys want a specific horror comic that you'd like me to read after Mars Attacks is done, it's probably going to be about five more episodes of this, four or five more episodes maybe. And so you guys just drop me a line, let me know at Wes Nipe on Twitter, or you can go to splatterpictures.net, or you can even message me on the SoundCloud that this is being released on. Uh, also, if you guys feel like it, a uh, review on iTunes for Panels of Blood is actually really helpful. It helps podcast visibility when you're writing reviews for the show. So I would really, really appreciate that. It doesn't have to be a long thing. It could just be something very simple and short saying, hey, Panels of Blood, pretty cool. Whatever. Um, also, if you guys are ever interested on the spotterpictures.net main page, there is a donate button donate button that you can give any sum of money that you'd like to and that will go towards panels of blood just indicate on your donation that it's four panels of blood because we have other podcasts on that site so if you say panels of blood then i'll know that that donation is to go towards things like comic books either hard copies or comiXology if they're up there uh also to upgrading equipment and stuff like that i'd really like to get a laptop so we could fix some of the audio issues that I have once and for all on this site. But other than that, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. 
I'm Wes Deadair Nipe, and you've been listening to Panels of Blood. <laughs>